This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. This is an odd show in that it marks our first post-election program, and yet yours truly does not know who won. Well, it's more complicated than that. Actually, I'm sure I do know who won the election, but I'm geographically challenged in that right now I'm in Cairns, Australia. Physically, that is. My voice is coming to you because we recorded this program before I fled the country. I thought fleeing the country before an election wasn't a bad idea. And of course, total solar eclipses are on their own schedule. So our solution is to operate the rest of this program and, for that matter, the next two programs in something of a time warp, which I guess Mr. Millen pretty much dictates what our bumper music is going to be today. At any rate, circumstances dictate that we'll have to talk about the post-mortem on the election in December. It's my dearest hope as I speak right now that my, uh, my fears expressed on the show two weeks ago before the election will not have been realized and that we at least had a clean election this time. If not, I hope our sitting president rises to the occasion, shows some guts, and tries to prevent the theft of our democracy. Well, let's abandon all that and jump into On This Date in History, which is, of course, the way we like to start this program. I do wish to promote at the onset, we're having a, a, a wonderful chat in segment two today with our favorite dreadlocked comedian, slash cannabis activist, slash Sacramento News and Review columnist, Guy O'Beelum. And I hope, dear listener, you'll pay special attention to that segment because we need your help. We're going to be asking some questions that only you can answer. So please, help us both out on this one. But at any rate, our date in history is the 15th of November. It was on November 15th in 1492 that the Italian explorer Christopher Columbus, sailing for Spain, described in his journal an interesting custom which he observed among the Indians of Cuba, the use of tobacco. Tobacco, like other dangerous habit-forming drugs, would turn, turn out to be highly addicting, making it quite a money generator, and eventually giant health-destroying evil corporations. Although I do want to editorialize briefly that the use of tobacco in its traditional sense, such as cigars or pipe smoking, produces a harsh smoke that's difficult to take into your lungs. Cigarette tobacco, which is cured in ovens and thus chemically altered, is easy to take into your lungs, making cigarettes much, much, much more addicting than cigars. The only nice thing I can say about cigarettes is that if you smoke them, you have available to you the number one health intervention known to medical science, which is quitting. Forty years later on this date, November 15th in 1532, the Spanish conquistador Francisco Pizarro sprung a trap on the Inca emperor Atahualpa. The Spanish invitation to a feast turned into a massacre. Atahualpa was captured and ransomed. Once the Spanish had obtained a room full of gold, they killed Atahualpa anyway. Of course, you might say it wasn't all bad. Before they killed him, they did force him to convert to Christianity, thus presumably saving his soul. 
On this date in 1867, the stock ticker was unveiled in New York City. Its main use was to give stock traders a stream of data on ribbons of paper. On a happier note, it also gave rise to that festive public event, the Ticker Tape Parade. On November 15, 1943, during World War II, Heinrich Himmler, leader of the German SS, ordered that gypsies and part gypsies be put to the same level as Jews and placed in concentration camps. In cases of doubt, local SS commanders were to determine for themselves who were gypsies. And finally, here's one I never heard about, but which I find awfully fascinating. On November 15, 1957, Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev boasted of Soviet missile superiority and challenged the U.S. to a shooting match. He said in an interview, let's have a peaceful rocket contest, just like a rifle shooting match. I guess Khrushchev said that because the Russians had just managed to put up Sputnik while our own space program was floundering. Of course, as a result of boasting of missile superiority, the U.S. built a lot of missiles, intercontinental ballistic missiles. And the Russians, of course, for their part, built a bunch of those too, making both superpowers able to rain hydrogen bombs down upon each other. So maybe Khrushchev should have kept his mouth shut. Our quote today comes from another post-World War II leader. That would be Charles de Gaulle of France, who once posed the question, How can anyone govern a nation that has 246 kinds of cheese? Our quote of the day comes from Senator George McGovern. We do hope that you caught our interview with him, which we aired back uh, on the 25th of October. Said McGovern, Sometimes when they say you're ahead of your time, it's just a polite way of saying you have a real bad sense of timing. Our joke of the day comes from Felix Dennis, owner of The Week magazine, which we rely upon to help round out this show on a weekly basis. Said Mr. Dennis, if my rule is, if it flies, floats, or fornicates, rent it. It's cheaper in the long run. Our stats of the day are as follows. First from the LA Times, 40% of all food in the U.S. ends up in the trash, according to a report by the National Resources Defense Council. The average family of four wastes $2,275 worth of food each year, or about 20 pounds per person per month. And how about this one from the New York Times? At least one-third of consumer reviews of books and other products found on the Internet are fake. The fake reviews are written by marketers, retailers, authors, friends of the sellers, and even third-party companies paid to churn out positive reviews. Sickening, isn't it? All right, let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week some weeks back for seeing ghosts. After Gilberto Araujo of Alagoinhas, Brazil, showed up at his own funeral, which caused several mourners to faint. Evidently, his family had mistakenly identified a different body at the morgue as his. Reportedly, Gilberto showed up and said, Guys, I'm alive! Pinch me! It was, on the other hand, a bad week for ingratitude. 
with the news that police in Syracuse, New York, arrested a 28-year-old Arthur Brundage after he returned to the bank he allegedly had just robbed. Brundage wanted to complain that he wasn't given the entire $20,000 that he had demanded. You know, on the one hand, we have to admire a guy who won't let himself be pushed around by big banks. On the other hand, you really have to have the moral high ground to pull off a claim like this one. And finally, it was an ugly week a few weeks back for the literal-minded. And we really like this one. After a caller named Donna complained to a North Dakota radio station about the placement of a deer crossing sign on busy roads, saying they should direct deer to cross in less traveled areas. (laughs) Evidently, after a few days of public mockery, Donna received a call back from the radio station. She said, I feel so stupid. I had no idea that those signs are for us. And yes, as far as we know here at Radio Parallax, this woman probably is a registered voter. Fill in your own deer in the headlights joke here. An item we've been sitting on from the Only in America file, which is maybe somewhat appropriate for our uh, talk with Ngai Obilam in our second segment, is this. According to CBSNews.com, The popularity of medical marijuana in Colorado has had an unintended side effect, a soaring number of severely stoned dogs in veterinary offices. Reportedly, and I did not know this, dogs can get very sick after eating weed-laced food. Some may die. Of course, if that neighbor of yours won't shut up his obnoxious barking dog... Hmm... I'm just kidding. Radio Parallax does not in any way advocate dog poisoning with marijuana. Or chocolate. We've heard that works, too. Now, even though uh, we don't know how the election turned out, or at least I don't as of this speaking, there was one governmental matter worthy of discussion that uh, took place before I left the country. I did note that California in October became the first state to outlaw conversion therapy aimed at turning a minor's sexual orientation from gay to straight. The law, quote, bans non-scientific therapies that have driven young people to depression and suicide, unquote, according to our governor, Jerry Brown. Brown added, these practices have no basis in science or medicine, and they will now be relegated to the dustbin of quackery. The American Psychiatric Association had found that conversion therapies, usually offered by evangelical Christian groups, do not work. Big surprise there. And can raise the risk of depression, suicide, anxiety, and self-destructive behavior among gay teens. While we at Radio Parallax applaud the idea of uh, tossing out quack therapies, we do wonder about, um, well, about what other therapies the American Psychiatric Association may want to take a close look at as well. For example, electroshock therapy is currently in the midst of a big comeback in psychiatry. Some psychiatrists are arguing that uh, electroconvulsive therapy, as it's now called, is the last best hope for patients suffering from deep, unyielding depression. In fact, in a briefing on this topic, The Week magazine quoted a Peter Bregan, psychiatrist in Ithaca, New York, saying that the medical establishment saying that the medical establishment sees electroshock as a way to make money off of elderly depressed women on Medicare. The same piece notes that while ECT machines, and therefore the treatment, has been subject to U.S. Food and Drug Administration regulations since 1976, there have been in fact no large long-term studies 
on patients related to these treatments. Although one federally financed 2007 study of 347 patients found worrisome instances of long-term memory loss and residual problems with thinking and learning. I don't know about this one. I also have to raise the question as a physician of how effective it is in the long run to treat everybody in America with antidepressants. Study after study after study seems to show that things like selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors are ultimately no better than placebo in treating people's depression. I mean, the stats on this are that between 1996 and at least 2005, the percentage of the U.S. population on antidepressants went from 5.8% to 10.1%. And my biggest beef is that people get put on these drugs and they're just left on them. Shouldn't you reevaluate at some point and say, hey, you're no longer depressed, let's take you off them? I'm hard-pressed to cite patients I've run into or even friends I know to whom that's happened to. So at any rate, I hope tossing out gay conversion therapy will uh, cause medical science to take a look at some other psychiatric treatments that are out there and try and see if we don't want to toss some of those out as well, perhaps. And uh, speaking of questionable therapy, we would invite you, dear listener, to look at the labels very carefully in your cold and flu section of your local pharmacy when you try and find some relief for whatever symptoms you have. Uh, They're currently stocking homeopathic medicines right next to real medicines. (laughs) In fact, I'm looking at a copy of Consumer Reports that shows two preparations of Zycam. They're both labeled Zycam No-Drip Liquid Nasal Gel, but one in small letters at the bottom has the word homeopathic, although I do like the fact that this Zycam nasal gel was described as non-drowsy. Well, yeah, it probably should have said non-effective. But, you know, by the way, I should interject the point that uh, my ravings about bogus homeopathic medicines, like all opinions aired on this program, do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. Oh, and by the way, in case you're wondering, products like Airborne that are supposed to uh, somehow prevent you from getting a cold are just vitamin tablets. Well, vitamins, maybe they throw in a few herbs. You may have noted that some years back, Airborne lost a $23 million class action suit when that was the amount of the settlement in the suit. They had to pay for ads in Better Homes and Gardens, Parade, People, Newsweek, and other newspaper and magazines instructing consumers how they would get a refund. But if you see anything on the label that promises to boost your immune system and to help your body combat germs, beware. Medical science has been looking very hard to find immune boosters now since about, oh, day one, I think. And of course, there are a few, like sleeping well and eating well, and if possible, not succumbing to stress. These will help your immune system. But as far as something you can pop in pill form goes, well, we're just not not quite there yet. And from the, I wonder what took them so long file, we have this medical item. The American Academy of Pediatrics is now warning that trampolines are far too dangerous to be used in our backyards. From what I've been able to see over the years, the AAP has come out against anything that would treat children or involve children, or sometimes I think even mention children because of the possibility of a bad outcome. 
Now, the stats are that three years ago in 2009, 98,000 people were injured, were injured, and 3,100 were hospitalized after trampoline accidents. They, they can be dangerous. It was noted that children under the age of six accounted for roughly a third of the injuries. So, yes, you do have to be careful. But can you make the blanket statement that they're far too dangerous to be used in our backyards? Well, I, I have my doubts. And from the uh, O file, we have this item. Researchers in Korea have conducted a study to reveal that a surefire way to add up to 20 years to men's lives is to castrate them. Yes, apparently over in Korea, they analyzed the genealogical records of males who were castrated as boys and served in the palace of the Chosun dynasty between the 14th and 20th centuries to find the eunuchs lived between 14 to 19 years longer on the average than their non-castrated peers. Which causes Radio Parallax to have to to ask the question, how badly do you want those extra years of life? (laughs) Of course, what's curious that writing about this study in theatlantic.com, the authors noted that, uh, well, these findings support the idea that male sex hormones decrease the lifespan of men. In contrast to estrogen, which appears to enhance longevity, testosterone seems to weaken the immune system and increase the risks of cardiovascular disease. Of course, this does open the door for the possibility of homeopathic castration, but uh, there's clearly details to be worked out there. Since we're talking about medical debates, we ought to close with this one final item, which we're returning to after talking about it a few years ago. But I guess the debate is still going on. Should doctors get rid of their lab coats? I guess the AMA is still studying this issue. But I love the quote about this in the piece in the New York Times that noted that for many patients, a white lab coat is as much as part of a doctor's persona as a 10-gallon hat is of a cowboy. Which I suppose is true, sadly. I tried to experiment many years ago in my youth of seeing patients without wearing a white lab coat. And I was told by the powers that be that they just don't think that you're a real physician unless you're wearing a lab coat. So I put one back on. Of course, we have to also cite a 2004 study that found that 48% of the neckties that were worn by a sampling of New York City doctors and clinical workers carried at least one species of infectious microbe. And before you get rid of the lab coat, the first thing you need to get rid of is the necktie. Interestingly, back in 2007, the British National Health System adopted a bare-below-the-elbow hospital dress policy that bans long fingernails, ties, hand and wrist jewelry, and lab coats. Which I have to add, you know, just because it makes sense and is logical doesn't mean we're going to adopt that here. Actually, actually before I go, I've got to tack one more item in here. The item is that the jury appears to be in according to Indiana University medical researchers, about the fear some parents have that if they give their girls HPV vaccines, they will then go out and have sex. The researchers noted that nearly half of all teenage girls in the U.S. are not being vaccinated against this sexually transmitted human papillomavirus because of that fear. Well, it turns out that girls who receive these shots, which do protect against cervical, throat, and anal cancers later in life, are no more likely to have sex at an early age than those who don't. And uh, in in the weeks and months to come, we're going to revisit that issue of vaccines and the fear that so many people have about about them, which is, uh, for the most part, an irrational fear. 
But at this point, we got to take a break. This is Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett, and I have a question that I need your help on, dear listener. So stick around in segment two while we uh, pose that question to you. Don't go away. Is there nothing I could say? 